We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Luke 16, 19. We'll start there and we'll finish off the off at 31. Um, before <clears throat> we get into this narrative, um, go ahead and throw the, the graphic up, the, the, the sermon graphic up, if we can get it. Um, before we get too far into the uh, this sermon today, um, I wanted to do some housekeeping stuff as it relates to the text itself. Um, Number one, um, we're going to be talking about a fellow by the name of Lazarus. <clears throat> this fellow Lazarus is not the same Lazarus that Jesus raises from the dead, right? You know that story? Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Um, this is a different Lazarus. Lazarus was a very common name in that day, and it, and, and it literally means God helps, all right? So a lot of people had the name Lazarus, Okay. Um, secondly, um, the narrative centers around <clears throat> a rich man. It actually states he's a rich man. And um, it can be easy to um, get into um, texts like this and dismiss yourself from the text because it's just, it is speaking about a rich man. But how many know that you can be rich in other areas of your life and be broke? You can, you, can be, you can be rich with intelligence. You can be rich with an eloquent, eloquent speech. You can, you can be rich of knowledge. You can be rich with different things. You can be rich in different areas of your life, even if you don't have money. So what I wanted to make sure I did was before I got into this, I wanted to make sure that you could put yourself back in the text because you could look at it and say, oh, pastor, I'm broke. You ain't talking about me. I don't have that problem. You can be rich in other areas of your life. So I want to make sure that we all take time to just walk through the narrative together and see what it has to say to us. Our, our title for this sermon today, I gave it to you last week, um, F. Hell Could Speak. <clears throat> so let's read, starting at verse 19. There was a certain, let me turn my light up before I start. Things are getting a little dim, people. Oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Um. Starting at verse 19. <clears throat> there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Pause for one second. I want to make sure I give you as much detail as possible. People in this day didn't eat meat every day. Meat was like a rare, it was a rare thing. You might, have eaten, you might eat meat like once, or once a week or once, once a month. But this fellow here was so rich that he ate sumptuously. He ate meat. He, he ate steak. He had lobster. He had scrimps every day. <laughs> there was a certain, man, certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. <clears throat> but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Pause, let me give you another detail. In this day, they didn't have napkins. They didn't have a, such of a thing. Um, so when, when they would finish eating because they ate with their fingers, um, they had a, just a hunk of bread that was there that they would wipe their fingers off on as if it was a napkin. And they would push that off the table for the dogs to eat. 
This man desired desperately. That would have been a full meal for him to just get the crumbs, to get the scraps, to get the garbage from this man's table. These are the things that he desired. This, was, this would have been a blessing if he had just gotten a crumb, something this man wiped his fingers off on. This is what he desired. Desiring to feed, verse 21, desiring to, to feed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was... So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Verse 27, then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded through one rise, though one rise from the dead. Now, I could leave you to deal with that by yourself, and it would be enough. Um, Hell was created as a place of eternal damnation or eternal punishment for Satan and his fallen angels, his demons as a result of the sin they committed against God. Hell was never intended for man. Man was created to live forever in in, in paradise, in Eden, in heaven with God. But because Satan understood that his banishment was a byproduct of God's wrath against sin, he worked very carefully in the Garden of Eden to get God's crown creation to sin. So that man could share in the same judgment that Satan and his angels were banished to. And at the exact moment that Adam ate from the the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, he introduced uh, three elements into the life of man that was not present before. Um, He introduced sin, he introduced death, and he introduced the option of hell. And every, ever since that moment, ever since the moment that Adam ate from the tree, Satan has worked diligently to keep man comfortable living in sin so that upon his death, he could share torment with him for the rest of eternity. It is my duty as your pastor or as a pastor to make sure that you understand and make clear that after you leave this life, you are either going to heaven or hell. 
There is no total annihilation. Um, you just don't close your eyes and the book is closed. After you close your eyes here, they will be opened up in another space. And determining how you live in this space will determine if you end up in heaven or you end up in hell. Jesus, at the end of a string of parables, um, speaks to us what many believe is a, is a true case study or case history um, of what took place in the afterlife. Um, there is a significant amount of debate whether this was a parable or wh whether this was a case study. And to me, it, it, it didn't make any difference um, because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who loves everybody, speaks vividly gives us vivid details and names names, something he never does in a parable. He does that right now to help us to understand that there is a certainty about hell. He wanted to make sure that there was clarity, that, that he gave some validity to the fact that there is a hell. And if you don't know him through God, if you don't know, if you don't know Jesus through God, you'll end up there. So what Jesus does is he, that he gives us this beautiful dialogue that takes place from hell. Y'all want to look at it? Y'all ready to look at it? Okay. I've got four little minute points that I would like to give you. Let's push to verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Point number one, write this down. It's on the screen for you. Don't ignore what is lying at your gate. Jesus states in verse 23 um, that this man was in torments. Did you catch that? It's plural, um, meaning that there is more than just one t torment of the soul once it reaches hell. I'm going to say that again. It is one thing to, to think about the, the, the fire and the worms and the, and the continual groaning, but, but this text lets us know that there's a lot more than that happening in hell versus hell itself. When you look at the text, it says that he, he was in torments. And, and um, it, it is one thing to deal with the elements that we just spoke about, the flame and, and, the, and the continual worms and the continual groaning for eternity. But it is a whole other thing to be conscious of your presence in hell in juxtaposition of where you wish you were. And then to know what got you there. Listen to this. This man reaches hell. He gets to hell. He lifts up his eyes and he sees heaven. And as soon as he sees heaven, he sees Lazarus. Lazarus was laid at this man's gate daily. Lazarus was this man's opportunity to stretch himself beyond himself, give to somebody outside of himself, do something that was bigger than him. But every day he determined that he wasn't going to look at Lazarus because he was more concerned about his own self. So he didn't give himself to the thing that was laying in front of him so that he could see it every single day. But the moment that he gets to hell, the thing that he was determined not to see, he sees it first. 
The thing that he was determined to ignore, the thing that he wouldn't allow himself to, 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 to give to, the thing that he wouldn't dedicate himself to, the thing that he just walked past, the moment that he reaches heaven, it is the first thing that he sees. He was laid at his gate daily. Listen, the rich man was so blessed that he could have, he could have changed Lazarus' life with a crumb but he was determined not to see him. When you, when you read the text and start to really deal with it, you find that th he was laid at his gate. So meaning that, that the rich man would have had to almost step over this guy in order to get into his house. And my question to you is, what is God laying at your gate? Gosh. Lazarus' name means God helps. What is God laying at your gate to help you not to go to hell? What are you looking past? What are you walking over? What opportunities aren't you giving yourself to to serve God that you're just walking past all of the things that God is trying to do to help you that you just walk right by? And I promise you, based upon the text and the narrative I just read, when I get when you get to hell, if you get to hell, the first thing that you're going to see is all of the God helps that you missed. It is almost this kept like this eternal regret. Like for the rest of eternity, I have to deal with the regret of missing and walking past every opportunity. Every time we open the, 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 the doors of a church on a Sunday, every opportunity you had to give, every opportunity you had to give to, to show compassion, every opportunity that God continually gave for you to get beyond yourself, to be something greater than yourself, you just walk right by it. I wonder what God is laying at your gate. Is he laying Jesus at your gate? Is he laying love at your gate? Does he, does he lay a, an opportunity to show compassion at your gate? Are you so self-centered? Are, are you so focused on yourself that you can't see the opportunities that God is placing before you to change? The man was laid there daily. An opportunity to change was given to this man daily, but yet he did not change. And I'm asking you today, what is God laying at the gate of your life? What is it? Are you the person that waits after church? You know that I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. I know that he's not the Lord of my life. And yet, when the pastor opens the door of the church, I don't raise my hand. I don't give my heart to it. He, he is laying the opportunity at your gate. He's trying to help you not to bust hell wide open. His name means God helps. What are you not looking at? that God is placing at the gate of your life? What relationships do you have that God has strategically placed in your life to help you, but you won't give them the time of day? They can't say anything to you. He's laying it at your, at, at your gate.
because he wants to help you not to go to hell. Here's the, here's the tragedy in all of this. I mean, seriously, listen to y'all. Hell is one thing. That's a whole nother issue. But the fact that I have, to, I have to deal with for the rest of eternity, the fact that I know what I ignored and for it to be flaunted in my face, to know the opportunities that I missed and just for them to be dangled in my face. You know what it took me to? I just think like this. I don't know why I do. But you remember the movie Scrooge? Who's seen Scrooge? Okay, go watch the movie Scrooge for Christmas. But Scrooge was like, you know, the guy that bought humbug. He was like hated Christmas and all this other stuff. He was mean to people. He was a terrible guy. And then the ghost from Christmas past comes and he takes him back through his life so that he could see all the opportunities that he had to really love on people and do better and all this kind of stuff. And then he got the opportunity to do better. The problem with this story, you don't get the opportunity to do better. It is just a continual cycle on repeat that continues to allow you to see and, 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 and experience every opportunity that you just walked over. I promise you, if this is your first time coming to TMC, it gets better. What is God laying at your gate? What are you stepping over? What are you intentionally not seeing? Okay. Let's get more. Verse 23. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Point number two, write this down. Your religion is not enough. Say that with me. Your religion is not enough. For this rich man to see Abraham, first off, to recognize him as Abraham, but then to call him Father Abraham meant that he was a Jew, an Orthodox Jew. Meant that he was part of the religion. But yet, this man ended up in hell. He was steep in religion. He understood it. He, he, he knew it because he could go back and call him Father Abraham. He's the father of faith. And he goes back and calls him Father Abraham. But somehow this man still ends up in hell. And I have to tell you this, and, I, and hopefully this doesn't catch you by surprise, but there are a bunch of religious people that you know that will end up in hell. There are people who show up to church 52 Sundays out of a year who will end up in hell because religion is not enough. There are people who will sow tons of money into the kingdom of God and still will end up in hell because religion is not enough. I've paid my tithe. I've showed up on Sunday. I serve when I have to. I do all these different things, but I'm here to tell you that if that's the only thing that you do, you'll end up in hell. Listen to me. Religion is, was, was meant to be the vehicle or the means by which you establish a relationship with God. Through Jesus. Religion, listen to me, it's a means to an end. Yeah. 
this is, this is how dumb it is. Okay. It'll be like me getting in my car every day, and I drive to work, but I don't get out. Then I drive home. I get home, oh, I need to go to the store, and I drive to the store, and I don't get out. Oh, I need to go see my cousin, and I drive to my cousin's house, and I don't get out. And listen, I'm stuck in the means. It's supposed to be a means to an end. Your religion is supposed to lead you to a relationship with God through Jesus. But so many of us are just stuck in the car. We just keep driving every day. We're all over the place. You see, I'm going. I'm in action. I'm doing something. No, it's all about your relationship. This man knew the religion. He says, Father Abraham. Listen, you could know scripture back. I'll tell you this. Demons know scripture. Satan knows scripture. If it isn't more than just showing up to church for you and giving a tithe and an offering and checking the box every single Sunday, you will lift your eyes in hell. You want to get the third point? You sure? Okay. Let's go to verse 24. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Point number three, your good was meant to be shared. Say that with me, your good was meant to be shared. In verse 25, Abraham gives this man a bit of a history lesson. Cracks me up. Um, He says, um, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things. Meaning that all of the good that you had to offer, you only gave it to yourself. Listen to that. All of the good that he had to offer, he only gave it to himself. He says you received your good things, meaning that your good things were meant to be dispersed. Your your, your good things were meant to be given so that you could be a blessing to somebody else, that you could change somebody else's life. And the funny thing about the good things that we receive on our own, we pat ourselves on the back because we always talk about we're doing me, we're doing us, I'm doing my thing. He says to this man, basically, your entire life you were self-serving. And you got out of life what you wanted to get out of it, but now you want something different, and it is too late. Your good is meant to be shared. Your good is meant to be given. 
That voice that you have was meant to be given. That vocabulary that you just have that you don't know why you have because you didn't go to school for, that was meant to be shared. I'm just a loving person. I'm a nurturing person. That was meant to be given. But for most of us, we just give it to ourselves. What God has blessed you with, the the increase that God has given you was meant to be given. It was meant to be given. That, listen to me, that, that ability that you just have and you don't know why you got it, to just minister to people, to be a help to people, to just, to just be around people and make people happy, it was meant to be given. I don't want you to miss what I'm saying. It's supposed to extend outside of your four, your five, your three, or your two. It wasn't just meant for me and my family. Okay, so you It wasn't just meant for me and my spouse. It wasn't meant for just me and my kids. It was meant for it to be given. Listen to me. It talks about that he has five brothers that was just like him. They were given to each other. It was meant to be extended to someone who needs it. Someone needs that nurturing spirit that you have. Someone needs the peace that God just gives you. but we tend to just give it to ourselves. Oh, God forbid me to start talking about money. Okay. I got one more point. And I'm going to let you go. You can talk bad about me when y'all leave. It's okay. I'm doing what he told me to do. Let's recap real quick. Point number one was what? Point number two. Point number three. All right, let's dive into number four. Y'all seem like y'all was been in good class. <laughs> then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Point number four, our final point for today, is you've been given all you need. Say that with me. You've been given all you need. So the rich man, after a bit of uh, back and forth with with Abraham, um, finally comes to the resolve that his eternal state isn't changing. Um, He then turns his efforts to those who were still alive in the earth. Um, He asked Abraham, um, would he be able to... um, resurrect Lazarus and send him to his brothers um, so that he could be a testimony um, as relates to the rich man's condition in hell. Um, 
he wants to make sure that they could understand the reality of hell. Because it's a terrible thing to realize the reality of hell when you're in it. So he desperately wants to get to those that he loves and tell them, hey, listen, this thing is real. Don't play. And Abraham says to the man, it was interesting that he says, I laughed a little bit when he says, he says, um, no, I'm not going not gonna to send, I'm not going to send a ghost, you know. Um, but he says to them, they have Moses and the prophets. And what he was saying to the rich man was that your brothers have the Bible. They have Moses, the Pentateuch, they have the Torah, and they have the prophets, which is the rest of the Old Testament. So you got to remember that Jesus is the one that's giving us this. So the New Testament had not been written. But what he is saying is, is that they have the Bible. They have God's word. And since they have God's word, let them hear. Because we know just by reading scripture that faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. Watch this now. What, what, what Abraham says to the rich man is this, is that miracle signs and wonders do not necessitate faith. The only thing that necessitates faith is the word of God. I'll prove it to you. Do this with me. When I count to three, I want us all to suck up some air and let it out. One, two, three. That was a miracle. But there are many of us in here who still don't believe. Miracles, signs, and wonders do not necessitate faith. It is hearing the word of God and then hearing the word of God. He says, you have all that you need. Every Sunday that you show up to church, you got everything that you need to believe. You don't need a miracle. You're not going to change even though you're a walking miracle. He says they have everything that they need. And what I want to tell you today is that you better not walk out of this place knowing that God has given you everything that you need to not go to hell. He's already given you. What we talked about today is enough to keep you out of hell. If you allow God's word to shape and mold your life and to make sure that you believe it, I don't have to go to hell. But if I don't hear his word and allow it to shake my thoughts, my mind, my heart. In hell, you will lift your eyes. The thing that scares me most about this day and age that we live in is that everybody thinks they can question everything. It scares me. And I'm just going to be honest with you all. I'm a pretty bright dude, but when it comes to God, I'm pretty simple. He said it, I'll do it. That's who he is, I believe it. Many of us keep saying, prove something to me. You haven't said these words with your mouth, but prove it. Prove, do something to make me believe. 
And if that is your position on God, I promise you, in hell, you will lift your eyes. It is a sad thing to know that you would, you, God has given you everything. He's laid God helps at your gate to ensure that you don't go to hell. He's given us his word to ensure that we don't go to hell. Here's the, here's the, here's the hilarious, hilarious thing about all of this is that hell that was created for Satan and his imps, the word of God has no effect on them. There is no grace for them. There is no mercy for them. So he loves the fact that you would show up to church and get nothing. Because he wants you to share in his in, 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 the, in the damnation that he has to experience. But God is saying, they've got all they need. Listen, after making it almost two years through a pandemic and you're still here. I know that makes you excited, but for some, you still don't believe. You still have not given your life to him. Even though you've had miracles, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. The most important thing that you can do is hear the word of God. We got this in this, uh, this workshop that we just did, and I don't want to confuse you. It is not just sitting here and hearing the word of God. I got to hear what the word of God says to me. Pastor Wanzo just went through all of this scripture, Luke 19. He talked about a rich man. But how does that apply to me, God? Because we sit together and we go through the logos word of God. But in hearing, he wants you to get a rhema word of God. He wants to say something specifically to you. What is God saying to you in this moment? Is he saying you need to be standing up getting saved right now because I'm giving you God's help. I'm laying something at your gate to help you not go to hell. What is it? They don't need another miracle. The fact that you made it out of your crazy family is a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle that you're still here. And you still haven't changed. You still haven't given your life to God. You still play this back and forth with God. Oh, God, prove to me. I don't know if I believe. And God is saying, listen, baby, it's a reality. What blew me away is that he says, listen, there's, it says chasm in a different, in a different um, translation, but he says there's this great gulf between where we are in heaven and where you are in hell, and you can't pass it. It, 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 is, it, is, it is a bridge that cannot be crossed. Listen to me. Once you make it there, it ain't no coming back. But I love God because he still has me here. He gives me the grace to, to, to breathe his free air so that I can make the decision that I want to live for him. So that I don't have to lift my, hell, my eyes in hell. Stand to your feet. 
Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.